Hello and good afternoon. Welcome to the Warrior's Room. My God, this some of you may call it the throne room or the war room. This is Evangelist Stinson coming to you with an inspiration today that is going to blow your mind. We are going to talk today about your most important task. Great leaders all have one thing in common. They know that acquiring and keeping good people is a leader's most important task. This was written by John Maxwell in his book, Developing the Leaders Around You. He urges his readers, find the best people you can, then develop them into the best leaders they can be. Paul, in scripture, is condemned and in a dark dungeon with just a hole in the ceiling for light and air. He is in chain like a criminal. He is lonely and cold. Death is inevitable. And according to tradition, he was condemned to die by beheading under Nero's persecution. This is probably his last letter. Paul chose to write to an individual rather than to a church. Timothy was a leader whom Paul had trained and developed. Paul was probably in his 60s and Timothy in his early 30s. As Paul becomes aware that he is handling on the gospel to the he was handing on the gospel to the next generation. His greatest concern is that Timothy should guard. The older I get, the more I appreciate the wisdom of the generation before me, and the more I realize that responsibilities, we all have to pass the baton on to the next generation, including myself, you know. And we can find it in Second in Timothy chapter 1, 11 through 14. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 11 through 14. The right foundation for the next generation. We have to focus on that. Psalms 119, 81 through 88. This psalm is both a personal reflection on life and also a resource reproduced by the psalmist to help others build their lives and leadership on the right foundation. Are you on the right foundation today? In particular, he sets an example of faith in God's word. I have put my hope in your word. All your commands are trustworthy. I have not forsaken your precepts. Lord, help me to be faithful in spite of all the pitfalls. 
and persecution. Help me to do all I can to train up the next generation of leaders. We are to come in, in this time, in these days, to start training our younger generation, start training our youths today. 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 18. That's what, where the scripture comes from. Now we're going to talk about the way to develop the next generation. All of us can have a spiritual child. Okay, we can adopt spiritual children. Paul probably had no natural children, but he had spiritual children. He describes Timothy as my dear son. He had led him to the faith in the Lord. Acts 16, 1 through 2. For 15 years, Timothy had been Paul's companion and had accompanied him on his second and third missionary journeys. Romans 16, 21, 1 Thessalonians 3 and 2, Philippians 2, 19 and 20. Now, Timothy is in a position of leadership in Ephesus. Paul mentored, trained, and disciplined Timothy and passed wisdom onto him. He sets a model and example of how to develop the next generation of leaders. This is what we're lacking today in our ministry and congregation. We're not training disciples. We're not training others to take the next step and to move on. Number one, we must love them. Love them with all of our hearts. The son I love so much is how Paul describes Timothy. 2 Timothy 1 and 2. Paul constantly thanked God for him. Paul was a passionate and emotional man. When people said goodbye to him, they were all they were often tears and emotion. I miss you a lot, especially when I remember that last tears goodbye and look forward to the joy packed reunion. Number two. We must pray for them. My God, that is something that we're lacking in the body of Christ today. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. That's what Paul said. Praying for others, praying for other people is not a waste of time. Absolutely not. It makes a difference. Intercessory prayer is an act of love. An act of love. Uh, can you imagine that somebody love you so much that will take you daily in their prayers? Number three, we must believe in them. We have to absolutely believe in them. No matter how much mistake they made, we must believe in them. I have been reminded of your sincere faith. That's what Paul said. Which first lived in your grandmother, Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives, now lives in you also. He said, I am persuaded now lives in you also. Paul trusted Timothy with responsibility at a young age. The people who influence us are the people who believe in us. Number four, 
We must minister to them. We must speak life into them. You know, we must always remember they need to be encouraged. This is what Paul says. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Previously, Paul had written, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message. When the body of elders laid their hands on you, 1 Timothy 4 and 14, they may have prayed for him, for the gift of evangelism and ordination to leadership in the church. It may have been a fit, it may have it may have been filled with spirit and possible to receive the gift of speaking in tongues or prophecy. We really don't know. We do not know exactly what it was, but it shows the importance of prayer ministry. Praying is the key. It is the first thing that I believe any minister should have. It's the first ministry that should be impacted full of people. This is why we lay hands on people. For example, in the ministry time at at the end of particular every church service, we normally will call an altar call and lay hands. I don't know how many church does that still today. Number five, we must encourage them. Timothy needed encouragement. Encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. My God, Timothy was young. He had physical weakness, frequent illness. First Timothy 5 and 23, you can find that. And he was possible a shy and introverted character. You see, Paul writes, God did not give us a spirit of Timothy, or of craving and cringing, frowning, fear, that means fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7, that's the amplified version. We are not cowards. If we feel afraid, in fact, there can be no courage unless you are scared. Courage is doing what you are afraid to do and not allowing fear to rule your decisions. Just like I you know, decided to do this podcast today, just to encourage someone, someone who may hear this, will need this word to encourage them. To overcome your fears, God has equipped you with the Holy Spirit and with power, love, and self-discipline. Number six, challenge them. Paul urged Timothy to stir up to fan into flame the gift that he had been given. Other people can help you, but at the end of the day, you are responsible for your own spiritual development. Stir yourself up. Fan the flames of your faith through worship, prayer, Bible reading, community, and whatever it takes. Do it. Number seven, we must trust them. We are in a time where most leaders don't even trust people in their church because they're afraid that it's their member or it's their people and somebody's going to take them. No, they're not your people. They're God's people. God sent them in to help bring the, the ministry forward. It says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. 
the good deposit is the gospel of which Paul has been appointed and herald, apostle and teacher. The gospel is all about Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is about relationship with him. I know whom I believed. We have been saved by grace, not because of anything we have done. Jesus is our Savior. Through the cross and resurrection, destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light. Paul urged Timothy not to be ashamed of their, of their friendship, nor to be ashamed to testify about the Lord. They had the gospel to proclaim and to guard. Paul was confident that he had chosen the right person to pass it on to the next generation with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Number eight, we must share with them, share with them, join me in suffering for the gospel. Even though Paul served God with a clear conscience, he did not escape suffering. He was in chains. He had been badly let down by other Christians. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Pilos and Hermagenes. Yet one person stood out. Don't run away from those who are suffering, but be like Hansipos, who Paul says, often refresh me and was not ashamed of my chains. Lord, help me to pass on the baton to the next generation, to pray for them, to love them, to believe in them, to minister to them, to encourage them, to entrust them and share with them. That should be our prayer for this next generation. Now we're going to talk about the importance of developing the next generation. I'm going to be coming from Jeremiah 48 and 1 through 49 and 49 and 6. One of the problems highlighted again and again in Jeremiah is the weakness and wickedness of people, people leaders, of people's leaders. Here we see an awful consequence of how wrong things can go without the right leadership. Doesn't Israel have any children? No one stepped into our inheritance. The inheritance was open, but there was no one to grow into it. Think about that. Um, that's um, Jeremiah 49 and 1. That came from the message translation. The antithesis of God's way of leadership is a pride and arrogance. The great sins of Moab, the extremely proud ones, his loftiness, his arrogance, his conceit, and the haughtiness of his heart. Pride and independence are often regarded as good qualities by the world. But they are great sin in the eyes of the Lord because they lead us away from him. Pride and independence say, I don't need you. That's what it says. Proclaiming judgment against Moab and Ammon. Jeremiah says, 
a curse on those who are lax in doing the Lord's work. Moab has always taken it easy, lazy as a dog in the sun, never had to work for a living, never faced any trouble, never had to grow up, never once worked up a sweat. My God, you can find it in Jeremiah um, um, verse, verses 10 and 11 in Jeremiah 49. Hard work is more important than initiate talent. As Thomas Edison famously said, genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Developing the next generation will involve hard work. It will involve hard work work people you got to work people you got to work people there is an important principle we should apply the same standard to the lord's work as we do for example to our secular job provided we are committed to them in most secular jobs there is requirements of 100 percent efficiency and commitment I am always so impressed by our volunteers who turn up with such regularity, love, and commitment. It is amazing to see their dedication year after year. For many, it is a lifelong commitment to service. This is my prayer. Lord, may I never be lax in doing your work. May our generation be a generation that guards the gospel, develops leaders, and pass it on to the next generation. 2 Timothy 1 and 5. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Louis and in your mother Eunice. And they, in their prayers and example, pass, it, pass on their faith to Timothy. It is wonderful to see faith passed down three generations. I'm telling you, a job well done. And we have to come into that place so we can do a job well done. By preparing our this next generation, most of us are at the age where we need to start passing things on. Passing things on don't mean you're going to die tomorrow, but it means that you are developing and equipping the next individual that will come along because so that they can do even greater what you have done before. This is the warrior's room. This is the warrior's corner. This is Evangelist Tinson with a great podcast reminding you of the great commission of God in Jesus' name. Have a blessed day.